The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We are back with David and Isaac. It's not a post game. It's not a pregame. I don't even know what this is. It's, it's a recap <laughs> show, I guess, man. We really wanted to get in and get an episode together. Yesterday had some, uh, I, I guess maybe you would call it technical difficulties. Had an appointment to get some stuff done. The guy was supposed to be here today, and he showed up yesterday afternoon at like 5.30, so he didn't get to record. But we're here this morning, this afternoon. I don't even know what time it is, Isaac. How are you, man? <laughs> man, doing well, man. Doing well. Man. Excited. Big game for the Grizzlies tonight. You got uh, back-to-back games with Portland Trailblazers, a team that, that's in this mix for six, seven, eight. So it's going to be a fight to the finish, and, and I love when these teams get together. I, I put a list on Twitter uh, those are day of four teams that I think, and I won't really call them rivalries. I'll say teams where you could feel like there's a little something extra going on when they play each other. And Portland would definitely be on that list, along with New Orleans, uh, Phoenix, and Atlanta. Those are kind of the teams that I think there's, there's a little bit of, of, I don't think those teams like each other. I don't think the Grizzlies and Blazers, I don't think there's any love lost. And there's some fantastic games. You go back to that last game in the bubble uh, where John just went off in, in, in the game. I think Remember the game right before the All-Star break last year in, in Memphis where the Grizzlies won and Damien was kind of uh, – Lillard Dame was kind of upset after that game about some, about some things. I mean, it's it, – it, these teams have, have kind of had their dust-ups a little bit and they don't they don't really like each other. And it calls for good basketball. I, I love when these teams get together and I'm excited about playing them three out of four times over the next four games. Yeah, this uh, – these next four games are huge for the Grizzlies. They have the rematch against the Nuggets coming on Monday night. But two in Portland before they go back to Denver, and then when they get home on Wednesday, it's the Trailblazers again. Yeah. So this is really make or break. I, I feel like two out of three is almost like that's absolutely necessary. Um, you, the Grizzlies are gonna make the play in. That it, it's gonna take something, yeah, just crazy from this point for them not to make the play in. So I have full faith they're gonna make the play in at this point. But there's still an outside shot that they get that six seed and miss the play in altogether, and that would be perfect. Oh yeah, I mean we've talked so much all year about what seed they're going to be. We're just basically talking play in, and there is still an opportunity out there. There's a scenario where they could end up six and miss it all together. That would be insane uh, to to find this team in sixth place without Jaron Jackson Jr. for most of the year. You've had all types of injuries, guys in and out. I mean, that would be a testament to, to the depth of this team, uh, I guess, Jaws' leadership and this this coaching staff. I mean, Coach Dinkins get, gets criticized at times, but, I mean, you have to take a step back and look at this thing. I mean, he's done a fantastic job, and I still think right now, even with the criticisms that some have had of him, I think he should be right there in, in the mix for Coach of the Year uh, for where this team is to be able to do this without Jerry Jackson Jr., second or third youngest team in the league. I mean, it's – it's amazing. I, I know sometimes we get caught up in in the losses, and and, and because this team has been so competitive, you kind of kind of get spoiled sometimes. And I think sometimes we get caught up in that. But this team has done a fantastic job when you just take a step back and look at the big picture. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, man. It's we're invested as a fan base because of the, the early success that they've already had. But this is still a rebuild. It this is still a rebuild. Even though this team is good, these guys are producing at a much higher level than than what I expected. I can't speak for everybody, but I didn't expect them to be at this point already. 
And so we we see where they were last year and how competitive they were. And so we expect more from them this year. And we're all in, all in on this team. They're going to make it. We have faith in them. And so when they lose games, like the game Wednesday night against the Clippers, man, it's, it's excruciating. It gets tough to watch. That game... To me, that's the worst loss of the season. Yeah, I feel like I you know we we've talked about the worst loss of the season a couple times lately, but this one surpasses any of the other losses. There there was literally zero reason that they don't beat that team. Yes, the the guys on the other team they are professionals. That's why the Grizzlies lost that game because they they took the game lightly. They came out, got the 15, what, 15 17 point lead in the first quarter. And it was downhill from there. Just could not get it going. And it to me, it seemed like no effort. They were not yeah. engaged. They were not locked in. And there's certain things that the coaching staff can do, certain adjustments that they can make. But you can't make your guys go out there and no, play No, you can't intensity. go out there and play for the guys, no. Yeah, I mean, that, and, that's... And, and I was going to say, I mean, I, you just kept waiting for this moment to come. I was like, listen, there's, there's going to be this moment where they're going to say, okay, enough of this. We're... We, we, we're not losing to this team, and we're going to turn it on. And it just never came. I mean, they never really – I mean, once they lost control of the game, like you said, they came out hot in the first quarter. But once the Clippers kind of kind of started making their move and actually took the lead, the Grizzlies really never got back into it. The Clippers were always the, the aggressor in the game. I mean, you just every time Grizzlies would hit a couple shots and they come back down and hit a three, you're like, okay, well, this is where this is going to end. Grizz is going to go on a run, and it just never happened. Uh, and you just, like, again, going back to what I just said a minute ago, you just get spoiled because you've seen how good this team can be. I mean, this team won at Milwaukee on this road trip, should have won at Denver, uh, took a double overtime loss. That's a game you should have won and didn't even have Jonas and and, and uh, Dylan Brooks in that game. So you know how good this team is. And to see them lose a game like this, it, it's just tough. Even in a rebuild, even with a young team, I know it's what people say that you got to take your loss, but we've seen how good this team can be. And they yeah. just shouldn't lose games like that, even even with those factors being young and this being a rebuild and developmental team. They you can't lose yeah. to a team like what have your rotation out. The, the, those are those are BS excuses for this game. That's exactly what they are. That that loss to the Clippers that was not a youth loss. That was an effort loss. It it doesn't that there's John ja Morant knows what he needs to do. De'Anthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, all these guys that are in that game that are playing, they know what they need to do. The effort just was not there. This wasn't because, oh, they couldn't close the game. It was a close game, and they're still learning how to close it. No, that's that's not what it was. This was you didn't put out enough effort to beat this team, and it came back to get you. And Brevin was talking about it on the broadcast about, you know, you, you can't treat basketball like that. Because this is what happens when you try to treat basketball in this manner. Yeah. This is what happens to you. And it was, it was just, I, I saw a lot of people, you know, tweeting memes and, and man, I stayed up for this crap and, and all kinds of stuff flying out there. And, and I was on the same page. It was really brutal to watch. And, and I'm sitting there. I watched it to the last second, just hoping, like you said, that they would find a switch yeah. and be like, okay, we're, we're done messing around. Here we go. But by the time they even attempted to put that forth that effort, it was too late. The Clippers were in a groove. They had the confidence, and they just shut the door on them. 
Yeah, my, 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 I was t telling you that old, um, I think I DM'd you about it. My my wife woke up and asked me, did they win? I was like, babe, just go back to sleep. Just go back to sleep. You don't don't want to ask me that question right now. But, yeah, that's, it, it was brutal, man. And and what's the definition of insanity? Just doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. That's for some reason with this team, when they play against teams that are shorthanded and arresting a lot of guys, they usually lose. And I, I, and I think it's just, a mentality you, you you can see it in these games where they just screw around with it. and just like you said brevin just said you can't do that these are mm -hmm. all nba players and once they see a couple shots go in they get the confidence and you're, you're out there screwing around and you can't turn it back on and that's what we've seen several times this year was it this game or the, the game at okc or the first warriors game uh they just they've struggled in these, in these type of situations i just don't think they take it seriously if and, and it's crazy to say this i, I think they might have won. If Paul George had played in this game, they probably would have took it a little bit more seriously, and they yeah. might have even won the game in that situation. Uh, but, yeah, man, they, they fall 117-105. Uh, looking down at the stat sheets here, one glaring number here is 19 assists. Uh, we always talk about the 30-plus assists for this team. That's usually when they win, way off man, that mark. Yeah. Shows you that I they weren't – Yeah, so definitely shows you that they weren't sharing the basketball like they usually do. It's a lot of one-on-one -on -one in this game. I saw that especially Dylan Brooks did a lot of – one-on-one -on -one kind of reverted back to some of the, the yeah. stuff that he got criticized for in the past and then ended up fouling out in the game, too. Just not a good game for him. A lot of guys, Grayson Allen was basically non-existent. He had six points, but he's only one of four from the field, one or two from three, and he had been a big part of this offense. He's basically non-existent in this game. Yeah, D Dylan and Grayson were both bad in this game. And I'm, I'm going to say this right here. If you guys ever hear me saying anything different, you can check me on it. I will never again for the rest of my life, <laughs> give Dylan Brooks credit. But ever since we said for, that, man. For not <laughs> fouling, not doing this. He had two in this game. Ever since we ever since we done that episode, man, he's had at least two of those frustration fouls. And I thought we were past it. It seemed like he was, he was growing and he got past it. But maybe this is an exception to the rule this year because he hadn't really been doing it this year. Maybe this game was an exception, or this stretch is an exception. But I'm if he goes the rest of this season and we make it to the All-Star break next year and he doesn't have a single one of them, you're not hearing it mentioned from me. I promise <laughs> you that. Uh, it's it's so frustrating. Like, I get pissed because he is he's extremely hard on himself. And so those fouls come out of a place that he's mad at himself and he's just like, ah, damn it. Yeah, and, and you can see that out there. You can see it when he commits the foul, when he's upset, when something like that goes down. You can see it on his face, kind of where that foul came from, and he's got to get past that. The Grizzlies cannot afford to have this version of Dylan Brooks for the rest of the season. If they do, they're going to be at the play-in, but they're going to be at the bottom of the play-in with a lot of work to do to get in. Yeah, that, that's definitely not not where you want to be and. I don't like to harp on officiating, but this game was a it was a little bit one sided. Uh, the Grizzlies sixteen to twenty three for sixty nine point six percent, and when you and Grevin said it on the broadcast, when you get there, you got to make them, and they missed seven in the game, only sixty nine point six percent. On the other side, Clippers twenty seven to thirty six for seventy five percent, is plus eleven in makes, plus thirteen in attempts. And one thing about this game is this is a game where they really missed JV. I think if JV played in this game, they they probably win this game. Just a lot of trouble with Cousins and, and uh, Zubak really really gave them a lot of tr trouble in this game with offensive rebounds. They just couldn't couldn't get anything done in the paint. We talk so much about X and we 
he's he's just a little bit small in this one. Some we we talked about these matchups where JV defensively would match up better, and I think this was one of them. Uh, I think X and BC really struggled all night trying to keep those guys off the boards, and that's one of the reasons why they lost this game. Now you look at the rebounding, and I was kind of surprised when I looked at this. Uh, Grizzlies only lose the rebound in battle by one, and actually had one more offensive rebound than the Clippers, but it didn't feel like that. It just felt like they got beat up on the boards, but the numbers don't say that. But I think I guess the offensive rebounds that the Clippers did get were big because they usually end up scoring and knocking down threes. Luke Kennard was just killing them all night long. I mean, just couldn't couldn't get a handle on him. And I saw somebody say on Twitter, I can't remember if it was Mark Giannato, I think it was Mark Giannato uh, from the Commercial Appeal, tweeted that this is probably how teams feel when, when Grayson is going off against them. Uh, so, uh, but a big big night for him, man. 20, what do you have, 28 points? 28. Yeah, six yeah, or seven, seven from three. Yeah, seven rebounds. I mean, CJ, Luca, you can't let Luca Lard have a seven rebound night. That that shows you what kind of night it was for the Grizzlies. I mean, that rim must have been looking like the ocean there because I mean he was hitting everything the other night. Yeah. So the, I want to go back to the assist thing for a minute. Yeah, if you go back and you watch that game, I didn't have the stomach to watch it a second time. I've done that a couple times this year. Went back the day after on League Pass and watched the game again. Couldn't do it on this one. But I know in the first quarter of the game, the Grizzlies were moving the ball. They were moving the ball, making passes, making the extra pass, getting passing guys open. And that's how they built a lead. And it seemed like from then on, it may have happened more in the first half and then not at all in the second half. It seemed like a lot of isolation ball. And, yeah. and that's just, they are not that they can't be successful at that. But the Grizzlies are better when everybody is sharing the ball. And if you go back, you look at team success. I I look at the most recent team, the Miami Heat team from last year that made it to the finals. How did they make it to the finals? How did they get to that point? Because there was not a, a selfish player on that team. They shared the ball. Jimmy Butler went out and got his. But they they were moving the ball around, and it was Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic. There were a a multitude of guys that were getting theirs because nobody had to be the guy. And we know that Ja Morant can be that guy if we need him to be, but he doesn't have to be. This team is better when he doesn't have to be the man. And you can go back and look at the record at what the Grizzlies do whenever Ja scores like 18-plus points. And the record is not good. They, yeah. And, I, and, and I was going to say, well, go ahead. No, 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 you're fine, man. Go ahead. I was going to say, just like I said the, the other night, it, it's kind of, you, you look at that, and, and I think the reason behind it is, is usually when Josh scoring 18 plus, it's usually because he's trying to pick up the slack for other guys. And when this team, when everybody's not involved in playing well, this team struggles. That that's We've talked about these box scores where you look down where, you have five, six, seven guys in, in double digits. That's when this team is at their best. This is not an isolation team where you got two or three guys that are going to score 20-plus, and that's how they win. Usually when that happens, it's because they're struggling and, and you're not getting what you're used to getting from other guys, and that's really what we saw in this game. I mean, you just kind of go down the list, only six for Allen, eight for DB. Uh, let's see what we have down here. Uh, looking off the bench, uh, Tyus with four points, Bain with 10 that melted only only five points in the game. I mean, that's not a recipe for success for this team. Uh, but I, I guess, I mean, we were talking about all the negatives from the game. If you're going to take some positives, uh, John Morex, he'll knock it down to three, four of six in this game. Looks really comforted uh, coming down two to three. And I, 
I love to see that. I mean, it just shows you the work that he's put in. He's worked on this shot, and he's been, I think he's shooting like 39% uh, from three in the month of April, which is amazing because I think it was like 22% before the end on the season. So, I mean, he's really put in the work there. And, again, we've talked about that so much about if he becomes a, a even a decent three-point shooter, which he's been even more than that in the month of April, he's going to be hard to deal with. Man, you're looking at positives from this game, and the first thing you go to is Ja Morant. That's where you go. <laughs> the first game with Jaron Jackson Jr. on the hey, floor. Hey man, the that, whole, I, I, I was going. I was going there next. I was going there next. The first, no, that's that's the that's the biggest positive from this game, man. <laughs> it's got to be Jaron coming back. He played yeah. uh, just under eighteen minutes, fifteen points, eight rebounds. That's a tough look for the crowd that says Jaron can't rebound. Yeah, man, four uh, and, blocks. and four blocks, man. Yeah, knee looks good. His shots. He had a lot of shots fall short. That is to be expected. Getting back in rhythm, getting your legs underneath you. We talked about that with Justice, you know, early in the year when he came back. And I think we're going to talk about him a little bit more yeah. Um, yeah. as we go down the road here. But, man, if we're looking at positives, number one for me is is Jaron being back on the floor. I love all the stuff that you said about Ja, and I don't disagree with any of it. But we've been waiting. You know, we're hearing, oh, you know, Justice will be back and then Jaron uh, shortly after. We have different definitions of shortly. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Man. I think shortly means like three or four months. But yeah. <laughs> uh, however long. I just know it was a long time. Probably went three yeah. or four months, probably a couple months. But that's definitely a timeline was a, a little weird. It didn't went against what they said for sure. I think we definitely have different definitions than, than Zach Kleiman does when it when it comes to shortly. But yeah, man, Jared looked fantastic. I mean, he had the one crazy three that bounced up to the top of the backboard and somehow <laughs> somehow went yeah. in on that first one. But I mean he looks bigger and stronger. I don't know if it's just me and maybe I just haven't seen him in uniform for a long time, but he looked bigger. He was aggressive. He didn't look like a guy that, that had been out for a long time. A lot of times when guys first come back, they're tentative. He didn't look tentative at all. I mean, he was trying to no, slam man. dunk it on people's heads. I mean, he looked he looked like aggressive, like he was ready to play. He said he was just going to go back to his hotel room in private and, and take it all in. But uh, I mean, a fantastic debut, man, for, for the season. 15-8, four blocks, six and six from the free throw line, which there are times where we've seen him kind of struggle there as well, so that was good to see as well. I mean, I, I think a great debut and probably better than I than I would expect it. I mean, he didn't look like a guy that had been out a long time, and I think that just shows you the talent that he has. The sky's the limit with him. I mean, I, I think he could be all-star level player just like Jockey. And I mean, I think you have two guys here that could be very special. And I think you saw that a guy just coming in, being out out that long to put in fifteen, eight, four blocks, and then I think it's, it's encouraging to see because he was playing the five. Going up against yeah. big guys and cousins and and Zubox to uh, to be able to get eight rebounds, I think that has to be encouraging. Yeah, cu- a couple great blocks. You know, he, he had four total, but there were a couple of them that were really good. Just you know, being in the right position and and reading the play right. Um, like I say, he he was attacking. He was there was one one dunk where he made a move and he just went up and yeah. freaking dunked the crap out of it. And I'm like, yep, the knee's good. We're, <laughs> we are we are good to go. So really, really happy to see him back. The Grizzlies are getting healthy at the right time. They're still going to be without Jonas tonight against Portland because of the uh, concussion protocol. But from what I understand, what I've read, um, he should be eligible to come back for Sunday's game. Yeah. Is he going to be back for Sunday? I don't know. But I I can't imagine that he's out past Sunday. I think that they need him in Denver. Yeah. And, sure. uh, you know, that that's going to be something 
that game, they're going to want to win that game. So I think that if he's not back Sunday, that he will be back Monday. And that's just speculation. I don't have any inside guy telling me, you know, he's going to be back then. But I went and I read through the, uh, the NBA concussion protocol and what the guys have to go through. And based off of my understanding, he will be eligible to come back on Sunday. Yeah, if, if I had to bet, I would say Monday because the Grizzlies are just always going to op- operate with abundance of caution. So the first game back that he's eligible, probably not. I, w- I would say Monday. And we've talked about how tough that game's going to be after two, what, what you know will be tough, hard-fought games against the Blazers, a back-to-back on Monday night at altitude. But kind of how this road trip has went, I, I have a, I've, I've been feeling ever since like a couple days ago after they lost their first game, I got a feeling they're going to win that game. I, I know the team's like the deck's going to be stacked against them. That's like a schedule loss. Like you just got to look at things in perspective. But I just got a feeling they're going to win that game. I think they split with Portland, and I think they win that one. And, uh, again, I think that I mean, you'd be 4-3 and three on a road trip. You got to look back at this road trip. They probably could have been 5-2, and 6-1 and one with kind of how things are going. But, uh, again, I think if they can get two out of these last three and go 4-3, and three, I think I'd be, be happy with that. If somebody told me they were going to go 4-3 and three going in here, I would have been extremely happy. And again, I mean, you just have to take that, take the losses as they come. But I, I think you'd be happy with that outcome. But uh, we're definitely going to talk about uh, Justice Winslow. Um, and anyone, anyone that knows knows me, follow me on follows me on Twitter, listen to our podcast here at Hoopball Grizz. They know I've been like the president of of Justice Winslow Island. Even going back to when they first made the trade, I was always a proponent that he could be a, a big piece potential for this team long-term if he could get healthy and, and get right. Uh, but I look at the situation, look at the situation now, and you look at the wings on this team and just how they, they progress. I mean, you look, go back to the bubble. Uh, Grayson kind of started off there and he's even expounded on it this season and become even better. Uh, Anthony Melton that we've talked about so much, uh, has now become a tremendous two-way player. One of the better three-point shooters in the NBA. And I don't think we, any of us saw that coming. Uh, you got DB doing what he does. Cal is, is is really improved and took his game to another level this year, even though his his shot is is, is forsaken him for a little bit. But he's had a much better season. It's best, definitely the best season of his career. And you look at how well these guys are playing. And we got 15 games left. This team is in, in a in a playoff race. I mean, you could finish anywhere from six to ten uh, that we're looking at right now. And right right now, even as being a, a big proponent of them, I haven't changed my thoughts on on what he could be for this team long-term. I think they should still pick up the option. Uh, I mean, give him a summer where he's not rehabbing, where he's working on his game, a full training camp where he can come back and kind of build a chemistry with this team. But right now, when I, when I look at this situation, I mean, you have so many guys deserving minutes uh, on this team. The depth is tremendous and you have a lot of guys playing well and he's not playing well right now. I mean, he has flashes. You see different moments where he'll make a good play here and there, but I just can't justify him playing, minutes over these these other guys right now i know people say a developmental season and people know how i think about that but i just think with 15 games left i just don't know if they have time right now to wait on a guy that's that's trying to find his way uh, and it's a tough situation because i i know they want to kind of see what they have and how he works with jaron and whether they want to pick up the option but i just don't know if they have time right now it's you just have too many guys on the wing playing playing really well right now and i think He's taking some minutes away from them. And even Tyus Jones, who's been a backup point guard all year, they've kind of gone with this experiment where they're putting him on the ball and, and cut Tyus's minutes. And I think Tyus has, has earned those minutes. It's just a tough situation. Like, I wish they, they were in a position where they could play him, but I just don't know if 
if he deserves those minutes right now. Man, I never thought that I would see the day that you and I would be on the opposite <laughs> end of the table of this. I, I really didn't, honestly. I, I figured if any, if either one of us turned in the situation, I thought it would be me first. So I'm, I'm really surprised by that. But I, I completely disagree with you on this, man. I know you don't want to hear developmental season. No, I, everybody is tired of hearing that. But let me, I think you have to ask that. So it's kind of loaded and, and I'll break it down for you how I'm viewing this. There's, there's one main question and then there's different ways that you can go with it. Yeah. The, the first question is, do you think that the Grizzlies have a chance to make a long, like a deep run into the playoffs this season? Do you think they have a chance to make a deep run into the playoffs? If they, well, if they say they get in, and they're the eight seed, and they're going against Phoenix or the Jazz or, or the six seed, and they end up against the Lakers or whoever. Doesn't matter who their first round opponent is. Or you, I tell you what, do this. You pick your preferred first round opponent. <laughs> is there anybody that the Grizzlies can meet in the first round that you think it, that they are going to get past them and get into the second round with the possibility of making a deep run into the playoffs? But the, the non the non homer answer to that question is no. I'd like I'd like to I would like to say yes. I would like to say if they go against Denver or or maybe Phoenix and, and I do think if they messed up with either one of those two teams, they could they could win a couple games, but I don't think they're gonna win a series. I think long term Jokic would against Denver would be too much even without Jamal Murray. I can't see them beating them four times, especially when you don't have home court advantage, you're playing at altitude. I think they could get a couple games against either them or Phoenix, but I don't I I'm being honest, I don't think you're right. I don't think they can win a series this year. So then my follow-up question to that, you're saying no here. If you if you don't think that they can make a playoff run, how does it benefit the Grizzlies shutting him down? I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, like, I, I my mentality is always, no matter what, you just kind of do the best that you can do. And, and that's kind of my thing. Even if you, like the question that you just asked were, are they going to win a playoff series? No, I, I don't think they don't think they can win a playoff series, series this year. But I do feel like right now they have 15 games left. I feel like you should maximize what you're doing to try to win those games. And I and I feel like you look at the guys on this team, and I, and I understand exactly what you're saying about what benefit does it benefit the Grizzlies because they need to find out what they have in Justice Winslow. But I, I just feel like the guys on this team have earned these minutes. And if a guy's struggling, I, I don't. I just don't agree with force feeding a guy, even in a situation where you're yeah. you're, you're trying to figure figure out like what's what you're doing. I feel like you should put your best players on the floor. And right now, I just even though I'm a big believer in him, and I think long term, if they pick up the option, I think he could get better, get right in the summer, and have a full training camp and build chemistry and find out what his role is, and that he could be that guy. But right now, I just don't think it's best for the team for him to play now for the front office, like you said, and. Long term, business wise, that might be the right decision. But on the floor, competitive wise, I just I'm always a comp- competitive guy. It's always about competing in, in that vein. I just don't feel like he should be playing right now. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll see over the only last 15 games that he improves. But right now, I think he's hurt the team when he's in there. You just saw against the in, in against the Clippers. I just I'm not a big fan of that look with him on the ball, taking minutes away from Tyus. I think Tyus runs that unit better, and I think when he's in there. It's just it's something new that they're trying, and I think it's just throwing everything off with that second unit, and I think that's kind of been a, been an issue. And I, I, I mean, again, I'm as big a supporter as I I am of him, I just think, think right now 
it might be the best move to to sit him down. Yeah, I just I just don't see it, man. I know that you you had told me yesterday that Sane had mentioned something about shutting him down for the yeah. season, and, and I I agree with what you're saying. And does he deserve the minutes over some of these other guys that have earned it? And the question of that theoretically is no. You know, if they are playing to win, if they're going for the most wins in the season, the answer to that question is absolutely 100% no, he does not. He's not done anything to deserve the minutes. But if the front office doesn't think that they're going to get out of the first round this year, I don't see it doing anything but hurting him, shutting him down. He needs game time. You can practice. You don't have, you know, I, I get the, the, Let's get him to training camp where he's not rehabbing. Yeah. You know, he, he's actually, I understand all of that. And I agree with all of that, but the time on the floor, nothing replaces time on the floor because you, you and I, and, and everybody that's listening know that the game speed is different than practice speed. Oh, no doubt. That, that's just, you know, that that's the nature of it. That's what happens. The stuff that he's doing out there, he is struggling. He hadn't played really in two years. Sorry about that. We we are in love with technical difficulties. <laughs> I don't know that this happened the other day, and then here we go again. Yeah, I guess the, hey. the Grizzlies had a technical difficulty against the Clippers, so I guess we we are too, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Early, but. No doubt. But I just going back to what I was saying with Justice, I I I think that it would be it's a it's extremely important for him to be healthy going into this offseason. And actually coming to training camp where he's not rehabbing, where he's going to be first of the season going. You and I have both said we don't see that there's any way that he's not a Grizzly next year. You are you still on that, or is your stance? Yeah. Oh yeah. Up? Oh yeah. Even if, even if even if they set him down, I'm still picking up that option. I, I think they've invested too much into this. I I know people say, oh well, you just cut ties. It doesn't mean anything. But I just think. The investment they put in and the time that they've given him, I just don't think it makes any sense right now to cut him loose. I think you got to try to give him that full year where he's available and, and and give him that opportunity. So if I'm them, and I think even next year, another way to look at that is I think next year this team is going to be making looking to make a deal at the deadline, and you're going to need contracts. Um, and, and and I think that that can help you in that vein as well. So I'm picking up the option no matter what. And because I, 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 I want to give him a full year, have a look, and again, you're going to need contracts. So there's no way that I'm not picking up that option, even if it, things don't work out for the rest of this year. I'm still going to pick up that option. Yeah, but because even even if another team doesn't see him as valuable because of his injury issues, it's the, the, the expiring contract yeah. is valuable. And I think that that is, you know, as a fan base, a lot of times we overlook that. You know, a guy may not bring any value to the Grizzlies on the court, but. You know, they unfortunately, the, the thing with Gorgie, they didn't move him. I was really surprised that he was not moved uh, at the deadline, but it, it is what it is. I think that the Grizzlies are, are going to be in a position next year where they know what they're missing. They know they're going to have an idea of we need X, and so let's go out at the trade deadline and get it. And you're going to need somebody, like you say, you're going to need a contract to match up whenever you're trading. And if justice is not working out, if he is not a part of this team, that's a good contract that you can use to move. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because teams are always going to be interested in inspirers. Just like you said, I'm surprised with how proactive this front office is. I I, I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't find some way to get some value out of Gorgie's contract. I mean, because I always thought, even when they first acquired him, I was kind of looking 
toward this year and this deadline saying that that's going to be expiring. That they're going to be able to be used to, to get something uh, next year. And uh, I was kind of surprised that they just kind of, kind of bought him out and uh, allowed him to go to a, uh, hit up with, with the San Antonio Spurs, but which was, I was kind of surprised at that as well. I thought he would probably go to a team that was more equipped to, to win than that. I was kind of, that kind of surprised me as well, but yeah, I mean that those expired contracts are always valuable. Even if the guy has absolutely no value at the deadline, I mean you, the season's almost over. And those got the team that acquires them is just looking to clear some money off the books. They don't care whether the guy can really play or not. And when you look at that on top of the investment that they've made in him and how much time they spent, it just really to me doesn't make any sense not to pick up the option. I've heard a lot of people say, well, they shouldn't shouldn't pick it up, and I just don't think they're looking at it all those aspects. I'm 100 percent picking it up because. I still believe in him. I still think he can be a guy. I mean, he's a guy that you, you can put on the basketball. Um, his offense is better than what, what he's seen. He's never been a, a good offensive player. I think he's, like, historically bad right now as far as the ratings uh, this season. But And I try to tell people that he's shooting, like, 12% from three. I mean, he shot 35% before, 36% yeah. in a season before. He's not yeah, a good he, offensive player, but he's not. He's better than 12%. what he's showing now. Yeah, yeah you know, that's he, what I try to tell be... people. He's not going to be Grayson Allen on the no. offensive end, but he's also not going to be what he is right now. He's no. going to be somewhere in between, a little bit closer to where Grayson is, but nah, he's not going to shoot the ball like that. But he's also a better playmaker. He can attack the rim better than Grayson. Yeah, I mean, it, people don't understand. This guy's been away from basketball almost two years right now. I mean, he's he's yeah. clearly working through, through some things, and it's I just see a lot of people saying this, this is what he's always been, and that's just not true. Yeah, and, and I just I can't get behind the shutting him down, man. Like I, I understand where where guys are coming from with with that mindset and the fact that you know maybe this season he's not going to benefit the team a whole lot. But this season has never really been about this season. This season has been about the future from day one. Why change that now? Yeah, for the front office perspective, that's definitely. Definitely mean they told you they're not even they're yeah. not hiding it or anything. They said this yeah. is a developmental season and they have done things this year that show you that's that's just kind of how they view that. And I, I wish, like I said, I'm always the ultimate, ultimate competitor. Like I always want to maximize. If you can, it doesn't matter if you're a, a five win team, like can you win six games, you win seven games. That's just kind of kind of how I am. But I understand from a business standpoint that might not be the the correct way to kind of kind of look at things because I mean you 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 want to i guess get, get the high the draft pick that you can get and try to try to finish this thing off and, and different things like that so i understand that from a for an office perspective that you still even though this team is is overachieved i mean this team is probably a couple years ahead of where they should be this is the second year of a rebuild i mean they're looking like 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 a team that's close to the end of it and this is really supposed to be just the beginning of it so i think a lot of times we have to step back and look at that i think we get again we get upset about these losses and stuff, but this team is way ahead of a couple, couple of years, probably ahead of where they should be. Yeah. And it's great. Like I, I'm not sitting here telling you guys not to be invested in the wins and losses because I'm invested in them as well. You know, like yeah, I, that game Wednesday night, I don't know that I've been more mad watching a game Man. in my life. <laughs> and that's, you know, it, it was not, it wasn't a playoff game. It wasn't a finals game. It wasn't, you know, NFL playoffs or see, wasn't any of that. It was a regular season game and I was just ticked, man. No effort. And they cannot play like that again. Especially when, into, I was going to say, especially when it comes on the, the heels of how they lost the Denver game, a game that 
I mean, you miss NJV and Dylan DB in a game that you should have won there. You had the game against Dallas that you should have won that when you go back a little bit to Nick's game. I mean, we've said, had several of these games where you felt like they should win, and then you get this opportunity here, and, and you squander it. I mean, you had a chance to to really uh, put some distance between some teams behind you and, and start looking up a little bit, and they just blew that opportunity. I mean, you felt like everything was coming together. Uh, Jaron was back. And DB was back. You felt like they were getting healthy, and this was a, just a perfect opportunity for them to just go out and beat a team, and it just didn't happen. And I, and I agree with you, man. I was – I was highly upset after that game, man. I, I might have said some 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 choice words uh, after that game. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm in the same boat, man. This closing out this month. These we we talked about these next four games being super important. Three against Portland, one against Denver, and then they got the Magic in the month. There's not a single game when they turn the calendar over to May. There's not a single game that is not winnable for them, and they're obviously there's a slim chance that they would win them all. Like it's not likely that that's going to happen, but I'd sure hate for them to be in a spot where they have to run the table in order to maintain this play in. And I don't think that they will get there because the teams that are behind them have not been playing very well, but they've got to tighten it up. If the Grizzlies go into another game, like they played Wednesday night against the Clippers, they could, they could fall apart and just drop out of this play-in. And I don't want to see that. As much as I would love for them to win the lottery and them at, to add a Cade Cunningham or Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, one of those guys at the top of the draft to this roster, as much as I would love that, I don't want to go through what it's going to take in order for them to get to that point. No, uh, and not at all. And just like you said, when after this road trip is over, they'd have 12 games remaining, and all 12 of those games are, are winnable. Like They'll probably be favored in most of them. Um, I think yeah. you got seven seven home games and five away games. You got a back to back set with Orlando, which you think you should win both of those games. Now we've seen this team not take care of business of games that that you should, but those are two games that they should win. I mean that you look at that roster and, and Orlando's bottoming out, they're not even trying to win games really. That's yeah. two that you you should win. I mean, they got absolutely blasted by the Pelicans last night. Um but yeah, I mean that's two games that you should win and you just kinda look down the schedule. I mean, you have a lot of lottery teams in that, and you also have some games against the teams that you're battling. You have another game against Portland at home. Um, you have Dallas in there. You have the Pelicans uh, coming coming to FedEx form, which you got to get over that hump, man. I've, I've had that one circle for a long time. I was like, man, there's no way we're going to lose to this team again, especially if they're they're like out out of it. Doesn't look like they're going to make the play in. You got to beat this team, man. We got to got to break that curse. But yeah, man, a lot of a lot of wonderful games. I think you finished the season at at Golden State, and I think it's like something crazy like six and five and seven days or six and seven days, something crazy then in the season there, but they're all winnable games. You got a lot of games on your home floor. And if they take care of business, I think, I think they got a, a great opportunity in this thing strong. And we talked about Jaron possibly not seeing peak Jaron for the season over. He looked pretty good against the Clippers. If, if that's, if he's going to expound and build on what he, what he did in that game, I think, I think we might see uh, a pretty good version of him before the season is over. He already saw a good version of it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't expect him to be playing that way right off the bat. Like I said, there were some shots that were coming up short. That's kind of to be expected. But, yeah, like, you know, the explosiveness, time. the aggressiveness, the way that he was playing. It's almost like he didn't miss a game. You know, you know, really the the his his mindset out there and his mentality did just overall what he was doing on the floor. It didn't appear like he had ever missed a game. No, and we've talked about the 
it seems like him being out longer than what the the timeline would be for that injury. And maybe that's the reason why he felt so confident. Maybe since the knees could have been feeling well good for a while, maybe he's not worried about re-injuring it. And maybe that's kind of the way to look at it, uh, the, the positive out of it. Because, again, I mean, you, you see a guy coming off a knee injury, the way he was going out there being aggressive and, and, and trying to dump the basketball, that's just not what you would expect to see from a guy that's been out that long. He didn't look tentative at all. I mean, he came out aggressive from from the jump, and I, I like that. And, again, I think that's something because if they got they get even 80, 80% there, and I think that changes the trajectory of this team, and I think that makes it – even like if you can get a display in, I think he changes some things for this team. You, you just got to look at it. I know some people said, oh, well, you don't want to go up against the Warriors and Steph and the way he's playing and – uh, what, what about Dallas? It, I think if you have Jared, uh, a, a decent version of Jared, I think the Grizzlies probably had an advantage over those teams. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not scared of, of Golden State. I know who Steph Curry is and what he brings to the table, but overall, top to bottom, I like the Grizzlies roster better than Golden State's roster. For sure, you, know, you, you got Steph and Draymond there at the top of that uh, Golden State roster. And then outside of that, you have role players. Kelly Oubre is a name that that gets a lot of. Um, <laughs> He's not, he's, yeah, he's not as good as, as his name when people think when you say that. I mean, he's yeah. inefficient. He's a he's a chunk. He's really – and I used to have a higher opinion of him back when they were talking about making that deal with, with DB. I wanted that deal. Now I'm kind of glad. I, 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 don't, I don't want that guy on my team. It's just – they, they, like, they would be – the amount of hate that Dylan Brooks gets, <laughs> there's oh, no way that, that this fan base would like Kelly no. Oubre. No, you look at his box score night in and night out, and he that there have been talks. Yeah, I've not heard it directly from him, but I've read reports where he has said, "I'm I'm not a bench player." Yeah, you know, he he's not willing to accept that role. And if you're not going to be a team player, man, I I don't want you here. I don't care. You know, if they had an opportunity to get, you know, Dame Lillard, and that's you know John Rand, he's he's going to be the point guard. But say that. For example, they're going to get Dame, and Dame's going to be here, but Dame didn't want to play off of the ball because he's a point guard. Nah, you can keep him. And that may sound crazy because Dame Lillard's one of the best to ever do it, but that's where I'm at. If you're not a team guy, I don't want you in the locker room. This locker room is too good right now. I don't want anybody to come in and corrupt it, and that's what's scary about the trade deadline stuff, man. Who are they going to get? And what type of mentality are they going to bring into this locker room? If Buddy Hill is a guy that you're targeting, what kind of mentality is Buddy Hill going to have? What kind of locker room guy is he? And that's all stuff that, that makes a huge difference. One bad guy in that locker room can cause a lot of turmoil. Yeah, because, I mean, this this team, we and people say this all the time, and it's cliche, but I think it's really true with this Grizzlies team. There's a bunch of good guys in this locker room. These guys are unselfish. They, they play for one another, and they – play as a team i know db in the past has gotten some some, some criticism for for not being kind of that guy but i think he's matured in, into that guy and i think even when he takes some wild shots again i've said this time and time again i don't think it's in the vein of just i'm just trying to get all these shots up i think he feels like that's what the team needs and he's trying to trying to help them win i think everything he does is in the vein of winning now you go back to the time with garrett temple and was coming off the bench i think that was a different time but i think he's matured from that and you just have a bunch of good guys in this locker room and like you said one bad apple could sport a whole bunch i mean you bring a guy in here like you said but just not beating up on buddy hill but you bring buddy hill and he might come in here and say oh well it's a young team and i feel like i want to get my shots up 
Um, I could be the star of this team, and and he can come in and ruin the ruin the chemistry they have because I think they have great chemistry. So whoever they bring in here, they need to make sure it's the right guy. But I trust his front office when it comes to per- personnel moves. I, I trust his front office over anything. I, like I've I've criticized them for kind of the, the the way they handle injuries. I've called them goofy there, but everything else when it comes to drafting and player personnel, nothing that they've done makes me not trust. I feel feel very confident in his front office when it comes to, to chemistry and bringing guys in and, and who they want on this roster. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, it's a good feeling to have after so many years of uncertainty and, and not knowing what kind of crap shoot we're going to have as a fan base. It's really good to, uh, to have confidence that at the end of the day, even though it may not be something that, that I agree with, I don't have to worry about them making, uh, an idiotic move. They're they're not gonna, you know. They just seem like they're, they're too well put together to go out and pull the trigger on a deal that would be detrimental to this team. No doubt. But uh, man, going looking forward to the nice game. Um, you got two games coming up against the Portland Trailblazers, and we talked about how important these games are uh, because of, because of the standings. I mean, you just look at at the standings right now and, and where these teams are. Uh, pull it up here right now. Portland's in sixth, uh, tied with. With Dallas, uh, they're both 32 and 26, and uh, the Grizzlies they're 11 and a half back of first place Utah. The Grizzlies are 14 games back, so they felt falling two and a half games back. So that shows you how important these games are. And looking behind the Grizzlies, the, the San Antonio Spurs only a half game behind them now. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are only a game behind them. They're four full games up on New Orleans, and I think New Orleans a couple more losses, and they're they're going to be hard pressed to get back in this thing because I think they're let's see three games behind Golden State for 10. So they're in a, in, in a, in a situation now where they need to make a decision or they're going to just kind of play this thing out. They're going to sit some guys, what they're going to do, because they're getting to the point now where it looks like they're probably not going to be in a play-in. And that's, that's amazing uh, when you look at that team and that roster. I mean, you got Zion, Brandon Ingram, uh, you got Lonzo. I mean, you got John Hart. I mean, they got a lot of, lot of talent on their team. And, 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 I, and I think Stan Van Gundy's a good coach. Uh, it's just – I know that that has to eat him up because he's a, a defensive-minded coach, and for them to be as bad as they are defensively, I know that has to drive him nuts with the, with that team. But I, I just it is it's crazy man, to have I mean, even Brandon Brandon Ingram didn't make the All Star game this year, but two All Star level players, and just to be in the situation they they're in, I I just can't believe they're not in the top ten in the West. I mean, they had the media blew this team up like they were going to be a top five, top six seeds this year, and it just hadn't been that. Um, and, and I think they're just about done. Yeah, it's all – the de- defense makes a difference, and they, for whatever reason, even with Van Gundy as their coach, cannot figure it out, can't play defense on anybody. And that's the, – the guys that they have, they have – I don't know if it's it's effort on the defensive end. I've not watched enough of their games to really tell you. I watched some in the beginning of the year, but uh, I've not watched enough of their games to tell you exactly where it's coming from. But, yeah, it's kind of mind-blowing to see a team with all that talent buried in the West as far down as they are. Obviously, the season's not over. They can climb back up and still make the play in, but uh, it's looking less and less likely every day. Yeah, because, I mean, they just – I mean, you can't go with, with any game with them. You – Look at a game on a schedule and say, "Oh, well, they'll, they'll beat them." That's not really the case with them. I mean, they get torched by bad teams a lot, like a lot. Like you just never know what to expect from them. Then they'll have this crazy game where they play against somebody good and they'll beat them. I mean, it, it's a weird, weird deal with them. And I, and I think that's just because of sometimes they 
the talent of Zion and, and Brandon Eagle just catches up with some teams and, and they end up winning. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think. And then look, every, every time that the Grizzlies play them, they turn into the 96 <laughs> yeah. Bulls. Man. It's like, yeah, 96 <laughs> Bulls every time they play the Grizzlies. Oh. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. it ends in a, in a couple of weeks in that last matchup. But um, yeah, man, it's been a, been a tough season, tough season for them. But again, you, you look at what the Grizzlies are, they've kind of lost some ground uh, losing these last two games. Because again, they're two and a half back of Portland and Dallas now. So you really, and you you said this, you these three games against Portland, you need to win two of three. Now it would be nice to win three, all three of them, obviously. But chance of that happening are not not really good. I mean, Dame's kind of started talking about they got to stay in the sixth seed. We saw the tear that he went on last year, so he's focused, he's ready. But but the Grizzlies got to find a way to win two of these three, and I think. As far as the Denver game, I think they they need to win one of these Portland games and win that Denver game because again, you get two and a half back. Eventually, you lose a couple more games. You gonna you gonna start looking at eight, ninth, and tenth. Uh, the the or ninth and tenth. That that six and seven seed is gonna be hard hard pressed to get in there if they drop a couple more games because you feel like you you left some on, on the board with the, the the Clippers game, obviously, and the double overtime loss to Denver. Those are two games that you look back, man. You feel like you should win the Dallas game. It's one that was huge, and I keep going back to that game, but they had an opportunity there, and they, they just blew it. So, again, you can't have any more games like that. they got to come out and take care of business. Again, finish 2-1 and one on this trip and, and beat Portland on Wednesday when they come back to FedEx Forum, and, and I think you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, yep, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, if they lose two of these games to Portland – that the the six seed is is gone. I, I don't think that they can get back there. They're going to have too too big of a hurdle to overcome if they lose two of these three games, and and they're not easy. It's not an easy opponent. Uh, not at we, all. There there was a chance that we were going to miss Damian Lillard. He has been back, you know, played fairly well in, in his in his game back after the injury. I think that uh, that he's definitely going to play. And when he gets locked in, man, he becomes one of the uh, the toughest guys in the league to guard and can really will that team to a victory, as you saw in the bubble last year. I still will say this. I'll die on this hill. If Jaron Jackson was healthy, the Grizzlies beat them, and the Grizzlies play the Lakers in the first round last year. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Uh, the Grizzlies, when Jaron went down and then you, you missed Tyus, Tyus went down, and the second unit kind of struggled. I mean, they just kind of lost what they had. They had a lot of momentum coming in, coming in there, and then they just – struggle once Jared went down I mean it just it just snowballed on them and, and still man Ja almost willed them to victory in that first game uh I mean we had a tremendous game but I, I love when these teams match up because again it's been fun I think Gary Trent is no longer there it was the guy who's really giving the Grizzlies trouble but CJ McCollum has really been the guy that killed the Grizzlies and they they got to find a way to get a get a handle on him I mean I know that's a lot easier said than done but it just seems like against the Grizzlies he just hits everything no, no matter what I remember one play in that game in the play-in uh db just was all over him and he's still still knocked down the three and i'm like man this is just 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 their night uh and, and they were able to able to advance but again if jaron had been there i definitely think it would have been different but i'm excited man uh, opportunity again three they're playing their plays with three out of the next four games uh opportunity to really really make a move here with you being two and a half games back you win two of these and that puts you back squarely in the mix dallas um, has, hasn't really been playing well. They did knock off the Lakers last night, but I, I think they've had their struggles And because Przingis went down with an ankle injury last year, and it looks like that's something that could keep him out for a while, so they could struggle. I mean, people talk about their easy, easy schedule, but I definitely see some games on there that they could drop 
down the stretch. And you look at the Grizzly schedule, if they can again get two out of these next three on this road trip, uh, with the schedule that they have remaining, I, I really think they could they could pass some of these teams. I, I think the opportunity is there, but they got to take care of business. They can't come out and, and see what we saw against the Clippers. And when they have teams up late, they got to finish these games out. And that's something lately that they just haven't done. But they got to do it if they're going to move up to six or possibly seven seed. Yep. Guys, we're going to get out of here. Isaac, you got anything else before we go, man? Man, don't have anything else, but I think we got got everything covered. Um, let's see, man. We'll see when we get JV back. Hopefully he's back on Monday uh, because they could really need him going up against Jokic. I think they missed him. That's another game. I think they win these last two games if JV's playing. Um, I, I think they beat Denver, and I think they uh, beat, beat the Clippers if he's playing. I mean, it's just sometimes it, with X and, and BC, you're just giving up so much size. that and Because and, and, I think X played excellent in that Denver game. It's just that, I mean, you're going up against the possible MVP and a guy you give up a lot of size there. It's just, just a tough matchup for him for, for, for a rookie. Still, had, he had 18 to 14 in that game. But, again, it's just tough. And I think JV just by sheer size gives will give Jokic some of those inside moves, I think, would have given him a little bit more problems. But I'm, I'm excited about this final stretch, man. It, it starts at night, two against Portland. Find a way to get a split there. And, again, uh, um, try, to, try to get Denver. You've had two tough losses against them. I try to get one of those. Try to take that final one, and I think you're good. Yep, yep. It's uh, it's not an easy task, but I believe that they can do it. Just got to put more effort. To, uh, that Denver game just had to close it and couldn't do it. Couple little errant passes there at the end of the game that cost them. Easily could have won that game. I think that they can get this one. It would be nice going into May because of that schedule. They say it's not a cakewalk. You got the Knicks in there that are playing good basketball. You have the Pelicans that, for whatever reason, continue <laughs> to give the Grizzlies problems. Yeah. And then Golden State and the Mavericks. But th- there's not a game going into that, going into the last stretch of the season where they're just going to be a huge underdog or they couldn't win the, win the game. So it's going to be a fun front trip for the, uh, the rest of the season, the Grizzlies. Still have that outside shot of getting into the sixth seed. They've got to take care of business here in Portland in order for that to happen. We'll get out of here. The uh, the show, you know where the Grizzlies are. They're in Memphis. <laughs> or actually, no, they're in Portland tonight. They're in Portland, but, uh, yeah. The, the show is uh, on Twitter at HootballGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, man. You can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals, man. Make sure you go. Follow at Hoopball Grizz on Twitter. Uh, man, we're we're growing, and we, we're trying try to grow this thing, man. We're excited. We've got a lot of exciting things for the future, and excited to be here. Uh, talking something Grizz basketball. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the game tonight. Until next time, go Grizz. This has been a Hoopball presentation.